Cool. And this one. Cool. You want to take us into it, Matt? Yeah, I can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we should have had like a, a powwow of kind of what uh, what taglines for the episode should be, or what taglines for the show should be, or what yes. introduction should. Be. So, yes. Yes. You know, I can I can make something up on the fly and uh, and see, <laughs> see how we go. <laughs> we'll try. We'll that always works out right. Great, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Coming up with uh, things on the spot, you know, it's gotten us this far. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so um, hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new podcast called Motherbox, a new gods podcast reading of Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Uh, my name is Matt Loon. I'm one of your hosts, and uh, joining me is uh, is my fellow co-host uh, Paul Lai. Paul, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Matt? I am doing good. I'm very excited to be starting this. We've um we've talked about this for a long time. We um obviously have a zero issue in the bag, which hopefully people uh, can listen to on the feed uh, before this episode. Um, however, this is the the very first episode that dives into what I like to think of as kind of the fourth world proper, because <laughs> over the next you know however long we we end up uh, rambling on for, we're going to be discussing some of the key you know opening issues of kirby's like kind of new god saga really mm-hmm. um that and you know they they throw as as we're going to find out with almost every issue of um, jack kirby's work he throws a lot of information at you in a short space of time and so we're going to try and not do that but we're also <laughs> going to have to explore each and every one of those themes and ideas and concepts and characters um so we're going to um try not to overwhelm ourselves and overwhelm uh, you the audience as well um but um we should have um we should say that you know we are using the um jack kirby omnibus um you're using the jack kirby omnibus mm-hmm. paul i'm using the digital issues that you can be fine on comiXology yeah um so there are ways of reading these issues we're not going to recap them to a minute degree but we are going to kind of break them apart and analyze them so yeah. it's probably a good idea that you've read the issues first does that make sense is that uh yeah. is that a reasonable thing to to suggest <laughs> i think so if you want to listen to this before you've read the issues the experience will be probably a little more impoverished but um you know i think it's okay uh you know i i think that uh you may have experienced other podcasts like this read through podcasts and for my money it's always a better experience when you save it until you've had a chance to savor the issues themselves and then to get into this conversation with us but if you prefer to just um listen to us and uh you know blather on about it and then and then go back and <laughs> read it with new eyes and, and insight. That's fine, too. But either way, just expect that we'll be referencing things and not necessarily uh, belaboring the summaries. So we, we're going to mm. get into it, uh, I think, pretty deep. Right, Matt? Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and also, there's just, as you say, there's a lot to absorb in these in these, <laughs> in these issues. Um, but hopefully we'll make it fun as well. We'll make it, yeah. um, make it entertaining and interesting. Um, and if you have an interest in new cards, but have always needed an excuse to kind of dive into these old issues, because um, let's face it, they, you know, the concepts and characters have been they've permeated through DC Universe comics mm-hmm. for decades now at this point. It's not, you know, this is pretty much a an isolated unit of reading which yeah. is why we quite um why we thought it made a perfect choice for this kind of podcast yeah. um but they you know the dark side is everywhere he's in the or he's you know he's referenced heavily in the movies now at the moment as well mm-hmm. um and so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of um fingers that this this work reaches reaches out through so um yep. so it'll be interesting to um to see where it all begins really yeah, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about Forever People number one, 
originally released in February 1971. Uh, New Gods, number one, uh, from also February 1971. Uh, Mr. Miracle, number one, which is from March 1971. And then Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, 136. And if you heard the last episodes where we introed all this, we already talked about um, Kirby's debut and his big return at DC at this time period in uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, 133 through 135. And so uh, now we're getting into, as uh, as Matt was saying, the, the New Gods uh, Fourth World stuff proper. And, you know, Jimmy Olsen has been our introduction and our lead into this. And Superman makes appearances throughout these issues. Uh, and so, you know, we really see here uh, Kirby bringing us via Superman and Jimmy, these familiar faces, into this really unfamiliar and just uh, wild, huge world. And uh, and that's what we're going to experience today. Uh, we... we should probably should also mention that the the um, I think the discussion is occasioned by the release of this omnibus, but also you know the excitement around the New Gods movie that's been announced. I think was announced yeah. in uh, March uh, to be directed by Ava DuVernay. So we may uh, throughout our conversations touch a little bit on that fact and news and updates about the movie, as well as our thoughts about you know how this material can shape into. A a, uh, a movie, <laughs> and yeah, uh, and yeah. so we'll get into all that as well as well as the sort of um, Kirby background stuff, the 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 uh, you know the Kirby Nalia that uh, that informs <laughs> our reading of this. That's not what we're going to call it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Sure. You, you're very good with coming up with nicknames for segments. I will I will spoil that ahead of time. He's very right. good at that. Kirby Nalia is not one of them. <laughs> I also I also have to say I'm yeah. a little I don't know not concerned but I am a little um I don't know I ha- in, and there's a nagging part in the back of my head uh-huh. that maybe the new gods movie with Ava DuVernay directing is something that's never going to happen yes. because like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of movies that get thrown out there especially superhero sure. movies yes. um that kind of get announced and this massive fanfare and then some at some point Ava DuVernay will say she's departing the project yeah. and then at some next point they'll say that they've found another director and then they'll drop off and then it'll just kind of get dropped from the schedule yeah. and so I kind of worry that you know the <laughs> There is that. There is that in the in the distance. But at the same time, we're not dependent on that movie That's coming true. out. We're not kind of um, hinging everything on the fact that there is going to be a movie. These, you know, I think a discussion around. I would love to see Ava DuVernay take on these characters, mm. and I would love to. There are segments within these issues, especially, but also generally speaking, within mm-hmm. you know, the upcoming issues yeah. that are going to be movie material you know at some point there yeah. will be that has to be a movie of this project and so um, you know if that never materializes you know like um i don't know what are the movies like are magneto origins or the doctor uh-huh. doom solo movie or um you know amazing spider-man 3 things like that that just never never materialized but um we shall see that's right meanwhile you know the material is good enough for us to uh, it's worth our attention either way so maybe yeah. if, if we talk it up enough you know we we build the clamor that people will uh, you know will, yes. <laughs> Warner Brothers won't be able to resist uh, offering DuVernay whatever she wants to make this uh, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever you need thing. to make the film version of this podcast <laughs> that's right. so it won't exactly. even be a film version of New Gods it'll be <laughs> me and you will be played by some top name actors and there will just be us in a movie discussing these comics sure people can fan <laughs> that, cast Matt Lee. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to be discussing. That's the next hour of the show. <laughs> <laughs> These comics are fine. 
the massive disappointment among all our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can almost hear them turning off the uh, turning off the dial yeah, as if they're old old something. All right. Um, so uh, we, let's get into it. Let's go through the boom tube oh. and and start getting into these issues, and you know, all kinds of things will pop up from it. I'm sure. Um, Matt, we, we kind of divvied this up and decided that uh, we would take, uh, you know, one of us would lead us into each issue. And so we start with Forever People, uh, 1971. Fittingly, it's actually the first issue, uh, according to Mark Evanier, who I'll reference often as the, you know, Kirby expert. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, this is the first one he drew. Um, and uh, and I think it's appropriate. <laughs> the beginning of it is appropriate for this. So you want to take us into yeah. Forever People number one. Yeah, ex- excellent. Um, Forever People number one. Um, as you say, it's very appropriate because you know through the Boom Tube, which is the name of this kind of segment of the show, mm-hmm. um, is um, is appropriate because we we open this issue by literally seeing the new uh, the Forever People fly through the Boom Tube. Right. And um, I don't know if we've the they've even been mentioned in the because we've only had the three Jimmy Olsen issues so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know whether boom tubes are mentioned in there or not. I think they might have been mentioned once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time we get to physically see them in action and then see, you know, how the excitement of a double page spread of the forever people flying out of it. Um, and it's very much, you know, kind of these are new characters. They've come into the world. You know, we've seen their entrance into the world. Um, and so they're, they're brand new to the DC universe, brand new into uh, into comics. Um, and we get to see an introduction or an adventure through the means of an introduction uh, or an introduction to the means of an adventure mm-hmm. um, and get introduced to these four, almost five new characters um, through Superman as well. So um, the Forever People, um, the issue is called In Search for Dream. And can I just say like how crazy it is for the, uh, the idea nowadays, thinking back on the time when like this creator came on board and instantly within two months released three mm. brand new issues all brand new characters all written all drawn all edited by this one guy yes and he was also doing an ongoing series like contributing to an ongoing series where he was also writing and drawing and editing as well yeah um and that's that's kirby isn't it you know that's that's kirby all over this is just insane and it's not even kind of resting on his laurels each of these issues is just <laughs> bursting forth of these yes. of these uh, like these ideas that he's got and i imagine and i think we kind of touched on it a little bit last episode mm. but i imagine it's got this feeling of you know he's had this kind of creative frustration mm. within marvel comics which right. you know is kind of common uh, commonly held you know um fact about it really or commonly right. held opinion that that's how he felt um, and so now, you know, bursting through the boom tube of right. DC Comics, you know, he's he's throwing all these ideas out there. And it's almost like, how can this one man think of so much so soon or so quickly? And it's like, maybe it's not. Maybe it was the last decade of his right. life he spent saving up. up all these these <laughs> uh, these ideas and concepts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, we've got um, we introduced to the Forever People mm-hmm. um, and they are um, there's four uh, kind of adventurers, four heroes that we see. In the first uh, instance, and we're introduced to the fifth by the end of the issue. So there's um, there's Big Bear, there's Seraphim, there's Viking the Black, which we'll come back to in a minute, and uh, Mark Moonrider. And then they're on an adventure to rescue their uh, fellow um, kind of forever people colleague, mm-hmm. uh, Beautiful Dreamer. 
yeah. um, who is um, being held by the um, prisoners of Darkseid, uh, held prisoner by Darkseid through um, the use of his kind of like outsourcing to local crime syndicates. Mm-hmm. So he uses <laughs> um yeah, he uses Intergang, which is the kind of uh, like a bit of a classic superhero kind of side, almost kind of side villain. They're almost yeah. like um, like AIM or Hydra for Marvel, but they're just kind of these criminals, gangsters, I yep. suppose, that they yep. just kind of join forces. Um, and we see again Darkseid in the little monitor thing um, that he has. Um, but we also see see the full image of Darkseid um, mm-hmm. by the end of the issue. Yeah. Um how do you feel about Darkseid's kind of full introduction into uh, into the DC universe? Uh, you know, it's funny. He doesn't. He hasn't quite achieved his ominous stature yet. You know, no, where because when you first see him, he looks like he's like four foot five. You know, like mm. <laughs> and slightly hunched yeah, over. Yeah, he's so small. No, very I know, exactly. Spot. He's so small. Yeah, you're used to Darkseid having that volume, that just like utterly imposing mm. figure that he casts, and initially. Especially, he's like there. You know, inner gang is like FaceTime, FaceTiming with him, so he's yeah. just like <laughs> wrinkly face on a screen. That's not superimposing, you know. And so yeah. it seems like um, it seems like really early on, Kirby already had this mythology pretty pretty. I wouldn't say thoroughly developed, but already had a sense of the figure that uh, Darkseid would impose. That's one of the places where I feel like this issue for me you know, fell a little short is just shocked that Kirby didn't take better advantage of the opportunity to make the first actual appearance of dark side, um, you know, speak to, to, to his actual power. But, um, yeah, Yeah. to me, he comes across relatively modest here and he's like Mm -hmm. busily micromanaging these inner gang uh, idiots, you know, (laughs) so it's sort of uh, beneath his station. It feels. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's as modest as someone can be wearing like right. a giant cape and boots. True, true. <laughs> I mean, that's, modest may not be the right word. <laughs> that's as modest as I ever get. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I completely agree with you, and I, I feel as though I feel as though that is a a what a consequence of us reading it retroactively, and I yes. think um, mm. that's probably one of the first occasions, not the not the last, not even yes. the last in this episode, right. where we'll you know we'll kind of touch on something that we're surprised is isn't a bigger deal or isn't or is very different to what we're expecting. Right. But I also I also wonder if that is that's not the fault of Kirby, that's the fault of us because mm-hmm. Darkseid lately in comics and um, you know his his kind of presence, if you will, in the movies, even though he's not physically there, mm-hmm. is is one of um, you know huge physical like po- imposing presence. Yeah. Um, and whenever you see him, like when you saw him in uh, Morrison's um, JLA run, mm-hmm. um, he fills the page. You know, he is there on the final page. You know, Darkseid is. You know, that's that's his huge presence. Um, whereas here, he's he's reduced his stature. He's small, um, and there's almost there's there's no there's almost no physicality to him. Um, but I I almost I think that's almost I don't know. Again, this is going to be me reading into some you know a man's man's mind. But like it almost feels like that's the point as well because there's a lot of there's a lot of um, analogy to to war. There's a lot of influence mm. of uh, um, from Kirby of you know the kind of the experiences you went through in World War Two, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's almost the point that Darkseid's power isn't physical. It isn't um, it isn't the fact that he is this you know huge huge person. It's just right. the fact that he is this slight a slight figure that, however, has this such grand influence through. Mm 
his evil his evil deeds and his yeah. kind of fascism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I mean, he looks more like an opposing general than like yes. a, a god, which you know fit fits I think um, that background of Kirby mm-hmm. uh, that you were mentioning. And it fits, yeah. yeah, and it fits this version of Darkseid as well. Like, not that mm-hmm. there should be other versions because, you know, it's Kirby's character. But <laughs> um, later versions of Darkseid have him, you know, like in Jeff Johns' his Darkseid War, right. you know, he gets into a physical fist fight with Superman, you know, he's punching things, he's throwing, you know, energy bolts and all this. Right. Whereas in these original issues, Darkseid isn't the one making the physical moves. He's the one that's behind the scenes imposing others to do it you know um and um yeah so it it feels a lot more like he he doesn't need to have that physical power because he's got that mental Mm. emotional you know political almost religious power over over people that goes beyond kind of him actually uh, punching someone (laughs) you know so um so maybe there's kind of there's something to that as well yeah i i think you're right i mean i I do think that um he is at uh, uh, the right proportion for what Kirby is doing right now, but and mm-hmm. it is the sort of retrospective expectation of who he's supposed to be that makes us, you know, look, look down on this sort of mm. tiny, uh, we can call it like baby dark side. You know, this is like this is pre. Yeah. This is teen, there's actually a baby dark side. So this is like you know, <laughs> there's like, a baby dark side. This is like a you know scrawny twenty year old dark side or something yeah. like that. But um, <laughs> it does make me think that knowing the heights of who he's supposed to become in his, his place on apocalypse and, and stuff like that. And knowing that that's already in Kirby's head, it makes me feel like the, this is part of the effect. And I feel like we're going to see this over and over again of the necessities of the quick rollout of all this stuff, you know, because mm. he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's teasing and teasing, but he can only tease like the stuff that now we tease for like six months or a year in monthly comics. He's got a, he, he's already teasing it over five issues that come out weekly, you know? So like, yeah, he's like, yeah. he barely can, um, uh, and, and there's a sense of urgency, which, um, which, you know, it's, it's like, what's great about this, this whole, all this fourth world material, but it's also sort of like what's um what's lost is there's not the time to build the drama because he is just like you said bursting with this creative energy and he's just like got to get these ideas out out there it's like the boom yeah. tube has opened up and it's a limited channel and he's just got to like flood flood it you know like like yeah, fire hose yeah. style with everything and so you get that sense when you know the characters are sort of like slapped on the page and we talked about this a little in the first three issues of Jimmy Olsen that we read where where he just seems to be going like in a million places all at once and they do ultimately sort of come together but you can tell that the intro, their introduction although it, it it like completely rests on Kirby's creative energies to to you know lend them their force not necessarily mm-hmm. on the like planful like let me step back and what's the most dramatic timing to throw these in, you know, because of mm. the rush of like having to get this all out so quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely the case here. And I think that's, mm. you can feel that within the issues as well, because I also, you know, I don't think while these issues are, you know, very significant and they've got a lot of, they introduce a lot of ideas that yeah. kind of, um, that, you know, flower in later issues. Yeah. I do think that these probably aren't the best examples of <laughs> Kirby's new God's work. Um, <laughs> But also, I think it's, you know, there's a little part of it that's a consequence of the time, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, storytelling was this was a lot more condensed than it is now. There's sure. a lot more 
as you said, you know, he's he's taking one issue to tell uh, what would now be a six issue story, right. you know, but but there's also a benefit to that. I think there's a lot more that he can fit in um, yeah. to these to this to this whole thing. But also, I think that there's there's a concern as well on my part that um, that as we read through this, I, I know I'm only speaking for myself, but I know I'm expecting there to be a grand beginning, middle and end to this. Whereas mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot more there's a lot more not necessarily rambling but there's a lot more kind of um throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks and Mm. you know doing um doing a creating a world rather than creating a a story that is complete in so many issues you know like i think we've got uh 50 is it 52 issues we've got or 50 55 (laughs) maybe 52 yeah (laughs) Yeah, i guess i think depending on how you count the hunger dogs and all that stuff yeah Oh yeah, those yeah. issues as well. I think we'll have right. to come to some point. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think things like things like this are kind of I'm therefore expecting you know Dark Side to be revealed at just the right moment in yes. the story and things. Whereas in actual fact, these are three separate books that happen to all be in his same kind of shared universe, if you yep. will. Yeah. Um, yep. And they they tell they tell their own stories and then they're gone. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it is an interesting thing, but um, yeah, yeah, no, I I love that point you're making, and and I feel like that is a necessary perspective to appreciate this the right way, you know, because if people are reading this expecting the sort of like, you know, super planned masterpiece, self-contained graphic novel lens, that's its own version <laughs> of like the retrospective dark side, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, that's just not what that's. And it, is it all right if I can I read a little passage of this book that I, I uh, you know, I, f- I feel like captures it really well. So, yeah, this is from Hand of Fire by Charles Hatfield. Hatfield's a, just a phenomenal comic scholar. And I think he, he actually gets what's brilliant about this really, really well in this little bit. So this is from page 180 of his book, which is a part of a chapter that's all about the fourth world. And he says he's talking about really the opening of it, you know, with, with Olsen and this issue and stuff like that. And he says here the grand puzzling. Let me try again. (laughs) Here the grand and puzzling nature of the fourth world is introduced straight away. One part considered planning, two parts reckless ad-libbing. Even the title fourth world seems to have developed by accident. As Mark Evanier has said, for Kirby, everything, quote, was in a state of flux until he actually put it down on paper. And once he had, the results were perhaps as surprising to Kirby as they were to his readers. Um, if the fourth world premise had been gestating for years and gave Kirby's new work a certain grandeur and solidity, the project's actual launch via Jimmy Olsen was antically inspired, make, marking Kirby's most hectic period of idea spewing since his full bursting mid-60s run on the Fantastic Four. Evanier reminds us that Kirby's schedule was such that there wasn't time to pause, reflect, and plan. So, you know, he, he's kind of capturing that there's this, yeah. you know, this incredible creative energy that's just bursting out and in the rush of weekly issues of brilliance you just sort of can't arrange all the all the ducks in in exactly the road that you might yeah yeah Yeah. that's yeah that's that's an interesting um interesting paragraph to read in the Mm -hmm. fact that it kind of it sums up everything that we were saying um you know i don't want to go down the avenue if he's done he said it better than we have because uh because that might turn people off this podcast and into his book which you know obviously they should be reading but still Um, but yeah no he's he said yeah exactly we've been we've been saying exactly what he's been thinking and also there's you know there's there's writers that are that of of his age or later Mm -hmm. you know about a decade later really that Mm -hmm. people like chris claremont and kind of larry hammer that wrote 
you know, wrote the consistently wrote the a same group of characters for for years and years and years. Mm. And every, you know, having that material to hand means that, you know, years down the line, they pick up on a plot thread that they seeded right. like a right. hundred issues ago. Right. And both of them have said in interviews that, you know, they they weren't some master planner. You know, they didn't have mm. it all on a board on their wall. They just <laughs> kind of they remembered that they dropped this line in from somewhere and thought, oh, yeah, that'd be good. I'll, I'll, I'll do that now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the beauty of being the one person writing all this means that, you know, if you've got a note, piece of notepaper line on your desk from two years ago that said, right. you know, maybe Jean Grey or maybe maybe Scott and Scott and Alex have a third summer's brother. Right. You know, kind of like just randomly there. They go, oh, yeah, right. I'll run with that. And it's just kind of this thing. And like Larry Hammer on the G.I. Joe comics, he wrote, you know, years and years of G.I. Joe. And the stories feel like it's one big world, one big narrative. And there's this master plan that he's sticking to. And he's famously admitted that he writes kind of two or three issues ahead. And that's literally it. You know, he just kind of writes the lines. And it's fascinating. And I don't think that's that's the extreme that Kirby's gone to, because I think he does have this world mapped out. And I do think he has if not where it goes, where it's been and where it's come from and the kind yeah. of the history of its characters all yeah. mapped out, um, which, you know, is touched on a bit more in the New Gods issue, I think. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But, no, uh, I, I mean, I think it, it, it makes sense. You know, we're speculating now about the psychology of a person, but it really mm. is. It makes sense to me that a creative person and by now, like a super experienced creative person, you know, would be like mm. if somebody if some um petulant editor came up and was like oh well do you have this you know prospectus <laughs> written out he'd be like <laughs> <laughs> like swatting them away like a gnat because it's sort yeah. of like i know how to create these stories they exist in my head and that means and this is something that hatfield writes about too like i think to appreciate the brilliance of this stuff is to recognize that kirby leaves room like a, any great master artist does for improvisation you know, mm-hmm. there there is like a direction, there is a world, there is a impulse. And this comes from such a, it seems like it comes from such a deep creative place inside of him. But that doesn't mean he has like, you know, um, pedantically scripted out everything where everything goes, because there's, there's a, a room for a kind of like um, inspiration to strike or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I think forever people to come, you know, ground us back in the issue is maybe he doesn't write forever people into the new gods if he gets to do this five years earlier you know it's a it's it's a sort of you know it's a sort of like result of the times and the summer of love and age of Aquarius stuff is already sort Mm. of seeded in him this manifestation of the current times as into his his new gods world that he's you know that he's introducing here so I just feel like there's a certain um, to appreciate the brilliance as we go along here, you know, um, it involves like recognizing that there's this kind of zaniness that um, we should embrace rather than like scrutinizing that, you know, he failed to introduce Darkseid, you know, sufficiently mm. <laughs> imposingly. Yeah. Know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a good point. Like Forever People doesn't feel as um, from this one issue anyway, to start mm. with, it doesn't feel as much of a part of the fourth world saga as as New Gods or Mr. Miracle does. Um, I think those two mm-hmm. books kind of complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think, and, and I think that's a, that's also kind of a consequence of kind of Orion and Mr. Miracle or Orion and Scott Free being very kind of two sides of the same coin, sharing right. a, you know, sharing a history and things, which we'll, which we'll uncover. But um, yeah, Forever People feels, 
as you say, it feels like it could have just been a, a story that Jack Kirby was telling, um, but also, you know, he's kind of tacked on this new gods link in the end. You know, it could have just been Forever People versus Intergang. Right. Um, but then, you know, Intergang turns out to be working for Darkseid. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and so it's 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 good. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, but, I think, uh, uh, no, I was going to ask you, though, I, I wonder if you have thoughts about Superman in this issue. Because, you know, I think when you look at the title In Search of a Dream, and it's written right as across, the, like, next to the faces of these four sort of hippies on a bike bursting mm. through the boom tube, you, you assume that it's um the forever people it's their dream and it it, it yeah. is in a sense right it's this sense of these uh, these uh, these hippies dreaming <laughs> of saving <laughs> yeah. saving earth and stuff like that but it, i think it turn, really turns out to be superman's fantasy that's in the center of this because yeah. you know we we meet a superman who um interesting to think about how kirby handles superman in light of you know bendis right now making his grand dc entrance via superman mm. but like mm. You know, Kirby Superman is not the most appealing figure. He's he's kind of a <laughs> lonely, lonely boy. You know, like yeah, lonely, depressed, yeah. middle-aged, uh, searching for midlife crisis, searching for you know a return to home. You know, searching for people like him. And so, this prospect of a super town is he winds up you know almost choosing selfishly to. Um, to, to pursue this this super town until of course a turn at the end but it, I, this it, the issue you know introduces us to the forever people but i feel like it really kind of it's the emotional core is superman yeah and i i think so too i mean you know obviously the he i mean we mentioned this in the previous episode but yeah. uh I think Superman doesn't come across very well under <laughs> Kirby's tutelage. Like in these in these issues, anyway, he certainly doesn't seem to kind of come across too favourably. Like as you say, he's a bit of a he's a bit whining in this issue. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's a bit kind of um, I'm doing this for me, and I'm going out to to kind of look out look after these kids because they have information I need, rather yes. than because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, um, yeah. and you know the whole. Um, I'm I'm alone. I'm a stranger in a strange land. I just I just don't buy it. I just don't right. buy it at all because right. he's he crashed on Earth as a baby, and this is something I always hate about Superman comics. Is just when they when they fixate on him, you know, wanting to get back to Krypton and wanting to, you know, he, he's not a part of this planet. He's as much a planet a part of this planet as anyone. You know, he's right. as much a part of the Kent. He's as much a Kent as any any person that was adopted as a baby. And right. it's like right. you know you naturally would have an instinct to want to find out more about your past but that's not what we see here that's not what i that's not what i dislike most about certain superman stories Mm. you know not the ones where they go you know he's he's proud of his kryptonian heritage he should be and he should let that kind of influence his his everyday life he's he's you know kind of the way he conducts himself and everything but as far as dismissing his current world and his current life because it's not where he was born right um feels a bit disingenuous and it's almost like well you know you're not a stranger in a strange land you're american you know you you were born <laughs> you're back practically from america practically born in america you were raised in america and mm. you've got friends and family around you um and he's like you know i think he's he's lamenting the fact that he's a superhero and he's got superpowers and right. he's all alone and it's like well you're not alone you've literally got a league of <laughs> people that are very similar to you and so like i kind of i don't buy that but almost you know again it's it's it feels like it's kirby's element of you know the kids 
the kids are the you know yeah. the youth of today is more important than the the old guard mm. um and all these kind of these kids you know obviously there's the literal sense of in search of a dream because they're literally looking for their friend called beautiful dreamer right. but then there's also you know the the fact that they are as you say they're looking for um to kind of spread their their love to spread their word to spread the kind of the the message of their yeah. people um huh. and superman's out looking for this kind of <laughs> mystical xanadu that may or may not exist that he doesn't <laughs> that he has all along you know almost a bit so it's a bit yeah. of a it's a bit strange <laughs> to see superman depicted in this way but again it's not yeah. it's so, it's very familiar in yes. the context of kirby's previous issues no you're totally right so i have a, i have a thought about this i have a take so so first of all like to your point um when i was taking notes on the reading of this issue <clears throat> i wrote that i wasn't super impressed with kirby's superman um, both the character as he's drawn, uh, sorry, as he's depicted and as he's depicted, as he's drawn, actually, like it feels like he's too lumpy in some places and it just seems drawn really inconsistently. You know, this isn't Jose yeah. Luis Garcia, you know, <laughs> like this isn't the, the, um, the sort of like perfect ideal of Superman. And yeah. I, I noted that and I was really bo- bothered by that. And I wondered if it was just like the Vince Coletta inks, um, not really <clears throat> conveying the fluidity that, Kirby achieves and then I had a thought that like in some ways Superman's design is very anti-Kirby you know it's like kind of the Mm. antithesis of what Kirby's designs what Kirby's character designs made really good which is like Kirby has the knack that gift that thing that animators say they should be able to tell who a character is by a silhouette you know and obviously because he's first Superman is like so bland as far as design you know it's essentially (laughs) like tights on a human figure and um even like Commandy, who's basically like a naked human figure, has a loincloth and hair that that yeah. makes him stand out. And so Kirby's really good at designing characters that you can spot a mile away, you know, um, and tell their difference. And Superman is so bland in that sense. So I was thinking that, and then I'm reading um, the uh, Mark Evanier intro to the Jimmy Olsen to one of the Jimmy Olsen collections, and <laughs> Evanier actually points out that the DC editorial folks. Um, di- really didn't like Kirby Superman. Like they were complaining about it to the extent that they had um, Al Plastino, which was a Superman vet, you know, artist, redraw almost every head and every figure of Superman and Jimmy for the first issues. And then later they brought on other people. So first of all, like <laughs> imagine somebody coming in, like DC editorial, having somebody come in to redraw your depictions of the main character in, in, wow, the, in wow. the book you're writing, you know? Um, yeah. Which is just crazy, um, for one thing. And, and then, but, but, you know, so, so I'm kind of with you on Kirby doesn't treat Superman well. And maybe in return, DC doesn't treat Kirby super well about Superman, mm. you know, because they're not mm. terribly contented. So, so, you know, but before I kind of went all the way with the notion of just kind of tossing aside Kirby's Superman, I had this thought that struck me, which is, okay, so in this issue of Forever People, he's surrounded by hairy young hippies. For whom he has some respect and and who he realizes they know some secret that he wants, right? Superman yeah. I'm talking about. But he's old-ish. He's, uh, you know, maybe in fear of being somewhat washed up, but maybe also very, very isolated. And, and so, and we can mention too, like, in the course of this battle, he's almost overcome by his, you know, by uh, what, are, what are these called? These uh, gravity guards or whatever, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, there's this vulnerability throughout. And then he basically um, 
sees through this portal, this ideal home, this world where he could be like finally at home with himself and not so lonely. And then halfway there, he decides, I can't do it. I can't go because I can't leave this world. So there's a mm. sort of like tragic heroic bent to that, right? And yeah, then I had yeah. this thought, maybe that's Kirby. Like maybe okay. this is Kirby, <clears throat> this stage of his life. And this, you know, he's been the comics Superman, right? And he's mm. already been through these places where he's supposed to be, you know, revered and supreme, but he's actually been, you know, disrespected or whatever. And he has to look at to these young people to, like oh what am i supposed to do you know how do i stay relevant mm. you know and yeah, yeah. but he's so and so from that vantage point i thought okay it made me feel like kirby may be writing this superman with actually more sympathy than i'm giving it credit for if it right. is yeah. in fact true that he can actually you know sympathize with superman a lot as as yeah. the like an almost whining. like a self-effacing kind of humility almost. that's right yeah. yeah 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 so i mean i wondered about that you know i don't know i mean I'm nearing 40, <laughs> start, start, <laughs> starting to feel more and more moments in my life when I'm not the young upstart, like bursting through a tube with a, on a motorcycle, but more like the old guy who's looking around going like, oh, is anybody going <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. you know, am I, am I still going to exist? So, yeah, so, so I had that thought too. And I wonder if, I wondered if actually this being the first issue that he drew, Kirby was putting himself in, in or putting a little bit of himself in Superman as, as a sort of like reflection on his moment in his career. I think that's interesting because I think it's, you know, firstly, it makes me feel bad about mocking Superman so many times, right? That's half an hour. So thanks for that. But, but also, like, it, it's, it, it, makes it, it makes it feel, it does, I mean, having Superman be, you know, a little bit selfish or having mm -hmm. Superman being a little bit, in the last, in the, in the Jimmy Olsen issues, you know, yeah. um, being quite... Um, a bit too impulsive and a bit impetuous almost yeah. at times. Yeah. Um, that does add a humanity to Superman that we're not used to seeing, especially not in the Silver Age of comics. Like we're not yeah. used to seeing that side of um, that side of Superman. Right. And so I kind of um, I think it it does it is jarring. It is out of place. Um, but also, you know, that does you know what you're saying does kind of fit into you know the view that we're getting of Superman here. This idea of um, you know, a guy that is on his own and he's, you know, he's 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 not on his own. But, you know, this character feels like he's on his own, feels like he's alone, feels like he's out of touch generally. Um, and yet he's saved by these three, four hero, 14 heroes right. that literally join forces in order right. to overcome. They work together as a team. The only way they can defeat it is by being together, yeah. like in standing opposite this guy that he's complaining about being alone. Right. Um, and right. so, you know, he he can go through his boon shoe, but he says, no, I've got I've got responsibilities here. Yeah. Um, hmm. So I wonder, you know, following that logic, what is on the other end of Kirby's boom tube? You know, what's on the other uh, side? What's he what's he running to? Do you think that he, he can't go to because he has to stay and and do these comics? I wonder. That's a really great question. Mm. I, I mean, I wonder if it is like the no, a, a notion of an industry that doesn't exist yet. Mm. You know, like Image Comics is on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because he 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 can't. Like, I think Kirby, as generous as he is, and you know, we can retell the story here that coming to DC, he he um he sort of has his shot. You know, they ask him what do you want to do, and he's committed to not taking any jobs from anybody. So he he 
you know, there's one apocryphal story that he said, give me your worst selling title. So they gave him Jimmy Olsen, you know, yeah. but, but Evanier says that actually what happened was he was saying, you know, who, which, well, I don't want to take a book from anybody. Right. So yeah. who do you not have a creator team, a creative team for? So I'll start there. And, and, and so it seems to me that there's this, there's a part of Kirby that knows exactly who he is, the king of comics and really the most talented man in the biz. And why wouldn't he be able to take anything he wants? And then, but there's a side of him, you know, that also um, says, no, I'm going to take actually both the like humblest and proudest road of just creating my own damn world, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm going to do it through this tiny little opening of Jimmy Olsen. And, um, and so I, I mean, I imagine what's on the other side, the super town where Superman feels like ultra comfortable is somewhere where he could flex totally as Kirby, um, his creative wings. And I think he's in, in not, in being at DC and in doing things the way he's doing it, he's kind of doing it, but he's kind of not. He's also still sublimating, sublimating himself mm. a little bit. So, yeah. And if any guy has been, you know, knows the, you know, how terrible the comics industry can be to people, right. it's Kirby, you know. Right. And so, like, I think if he, uh, there's probably also an element of, yeah, people have got it rough, rough right. enough as it is in this industry. They don't need me coming in and stealing their book from them. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm not going to take anyone's book from them because I would not want that to happen to me. And I think there is that kind of that element to it as well, really, I suppose, right. which is, you know, he, if anyone's going to tell you how crappy the, the comics industry at that time, but also sort of now as well, um, can treat you, then it's it's probably Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like that point that you made earlier, though, that here's the contrast where you have Superman and, you know, used to be in a lone, sort of a lone uh, hero, right? Yeah. Like, take, can take on anything himself, and that's kind of the ideal, uh, including of the sort of cultural and political times he's coming from, versus these forever people who are these <laughs> collectivists who live on a commune and who yeah. actually, yeah. like, let me talk about self-sublimation. The panel I'm staring at right now, it's on page 104 in the omnibus, but uh, 18 in the issue, it's the middle panel where they have they sort of stand in a, in a, in a square, right. And all four put their mm -hmm. hands on the mother box, uh, which by the way, how does this work when, when a beautiful dreamer comes back? But anyway, <laughs> the four of them put their hand on the mother box and then, in, you know, whatever, um, then appears, uh, oh my gosh, infinity man, infinity man. Infinity man. Yeah. 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 And so there's, that is a different ideal, right? It's, this is like proto Voltron, proto Power Rangers, right? <laughs> of like yeah. the super, super character who, you know, we find out later who exactly Infinity Man is, but like the super, super character that is the sum of the collective, you know? Um, Captain Planet, that's another one. Exactly, <laughs> Captain Planet, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, this socialist ideal of Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. That appears early on. Which is the name of my dissertation. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Awesome. I'll, I'll uh, sign up on that one. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a. It's just. It's like. It's also. I feel like Kirby. You know. If if in fact he is putting himself in Superman's shoes, he's also not in Superman's shoes. He's also like reveling in something new, a, a new notion of you know after the '60s kind of notion of power and heroism. This uh, rise, mother box, unite us as one. You know, to quote. Mm what they say when they're doing that, that is, uh, that he, he, he's obviously enjoying and exploring is like pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, there's generally speaking about this issue, I think there's like, um, there is an element. And again, this is very much a progressive attitude of 2018, looking sure. back on something from 1971. Right. Um, of this idea of like a guy 
in you know mid middle-aged guy you know um writing in the voice of teens or young youngsters of the day right um and so there's you know that's that's something back in the day you know middle-aged white guy writes everything so you know it's no it's no (laughs) kind of secret that he's writing teens because they're all written by white guys so um you know to for the for the most part and so to you know, there is that element of yes, it, it it was just the done thing back then. But nowadays, that there is something that you kind of you know rightfully kind of balk at and just go, oh, you know, what what's he doing? Like Mark Wade doing the Champions Run felt very much. You could very much read the fact that you know, no shade, but also a lot of shade. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, his writing was very much uh, an older an older white guy writing in the voice of a young black teen, and that that kind of kind of shone through a little bit in in the words whereas that's not as prevalent here you know all of their slang I, for all i know that could be completely accurate <laughs> you know, people could have called each other cats and daddy-o a sure. lot or it might have been glaringly obvious that it wasn't sure. a team um, but either way like you don't you don't get that feeling from this but also the you know your your introduction of the idea of a, a self-effacing humble guy you know offering himself up as the old guard himself and mm. saying look you know this isn't about me this is about the younger generation mm. there's a little bit there's something a little more little more palatable about that um approach to mm. the writing um, mm. and i think that makes it to me at least makes it a little easier to swallow the idea of a guy an older white guy writing teen characters huh. does that make sense because i think you yeah, have yeah, a certain yeah. A certain reverence and respect for them and a kind of acknowledgement that they are you know they and the readers who they um who they relate to or who relate to them are the future are the, right. the power and are the voice and they are the ones in the right so i think there's there's something a little more palatable about that despite yeah. the fact that you know it is it is something that nowadays i kind of roll my eyes at you know? totally i mean and that that's actually i mean that point of view gives you the vantage point to think about viking the black so you have black panther and then you have bike in the black yeah, yeah. and then you have the black race you know like yeah but, black Goliath. There's yeah, loads, yeah, yeah. There. sure sure right and, and so it's it's reductionist and so forth but mm. there is a idealism in it you know like this yes. character is noble um wakanda obviously from black panther is this technological <laughs> society uh viking also is is this sort of like savvy tech you know person you know so yeah contra stereotypes at the time and so there is that element of earnestness that makes you that that even if you go out there's a a ring of inauthenticity in this guy this older guy writing youth there is an idealism in the way that he writes the youth too that you have to enjoy and respect right yeah, it, take, it kind of goes beyond the the idea of, like the Marvel tradition of the world outside your window, you know. Whereas right. he's Kirby saying this is the world that should be outside the window, yeah, you know. This yeah. is the world that isn't but should be. And I think and he's mm. there's been no like numerous quotes of Kirby by you know attributing the fact that he was a very progressive thinker. He was right. a kind yeah. of um, for his time, you know, he was a progressive creator, and he he wrote, you know. As as much as a again as much of an old, as an older white guy can do, sure. you know he introduced he didn't have to have you know a black character in in such a prominent role as mm-hmm. as him and then you know Black Racer which we'll see in future issues you know as well is another kind of prominent character where and again you know if if his name wasn't Viking the Black it would have literally his his race doesn't even enter into it like his mm-hmm. character isn't defined by race mm-hmm. none of the characters are you know so right. it's you know just a shame that kind of 
you know, Superman the White isn't <laughs> the other side of the characters, you know. But uh, but there we go, you know. It, it is. We can't we can't have a comic from the seventies be you know the perfect you know gold standard of, of things of, of kind of racial progression. But, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. So any more thoughts on this issue before we move on? Um, nothing that I feel like won't come up later, you know. Mm-hmm. So we can we can definitely yeah I mean, we can touch back on this stuff when we're going into. Uh, you know, our next issues, but should I carry us into new gods? Number one. Yeah. Take us into new gods. Number one. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, actually I can mention here that maybe occasionally on the podcast, um, we can talk about it. And I call this Kirby unwrapped. Did I call it Kirby unwrapped? Is that, but like, um, we have, you made so many names for segments on this show <laughs> that I am amazed. I think, you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll uncover them in time. There are sure. many kind of smaller segments with podcasts within a podcast, as it were. That um, that you've come up with names for that just kind of embarrass me with the name with the with the riches that I've, I've been presented with. That's funny, man. No, oh, yeah, a little peek behind the curtain for folks. Like it, yeah. I uh, I came up with different ideas for different little pieces of the podcast that uh, that I did name. Um, and I did that instead of reading the issues. I didn't really read the issues. <laughs> so I just sat there without thinking of names. Yeah. Uh, no, but um, I'm lucky enough to have the Jack Kirby New Gods. Um, IDW Artist Edition, which doesn't have every issue, but most of the issues of the run, as well as the Mr. Miracle. Uh, and so occasionally, you know, peeking into those, uh, you know, the original art that that's presented there, uh, just some thoughts and insights about that. So I'm excited to do that with New Gods and Mr. Miracle yeah. and uh, hopefully eventually the Forever People too, because that's just one of those um, gifts that we have uh, being able to see so much of Kirby's original art, uh, much of it, which was sold at, you know, and sold and given away as mm-hmm. almost nothing. And so I think IDW folks, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but the, the folks at IDW have done this like incredible work of regathering these original art pages and reproducing them for us in these artist editions gives us a, 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 a nice reference point to think back on this, you know, look back at this work. But anyway, new gods, number one mm. yeah, <laughs> opens with an epilogue. And then, which is you know, amazing. And, yeah, which is so fitting uh, and closes <laughs> with a prologue, of course. But the epilogue describing the mythology and right away we're sort of um, in contrast, I think, to Jimmy Olsen and to Forever People even. We begin with the sort of cosmological extent of Kirby's thinking. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time when the old gods died and then eventually like then there was a new light. And we see this fiery holocaust that's like planetary disca- destruction and, 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 and stuff like that. And then emerging from that, we have two giant molten bodies, which we, of course, we know um, are New Genesis and Apocalypse, the sort of light and dark of um, Kirby's fourth world conception. And so Orion is flying through on his, what do you call his little thing, his little uh, scooter? Oh, he does. He does call it a little mean? later. Um, yeah, they do. I, let me see if I can reference it. Like we, like little, little scooter thing is as good as anything. Like I like that. <laughs> I like that name. Oh, whatever it's called, <laughs> I want one. <laughs> yeah, We're getting around. But anyway, yeah. uh, we um, need Orion, right? And power uh, rods. Metron calls them. You'll need your power rods. Awesome. Nice. Which nice. little scooter thing is way better. Yeah. It's yeah. way more descriptive. Yeah. Still, that's a good pull, Matt. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, anyway, he, he is landing on New Genesis, and his friend Light Ray um, guides him there. And, uh, you know, he sort of um, fawns on the glorious sight of this golden island, quote, golden island of gleaning spires that orbits a sunlit, unspoiled world of green forests, white mountains, and bright waters. And so we're introduced to the glories of um, New Genesis, which in contrast to the, like, grassy, 
field setting of forever people is just like mm. splendid you know there's um all kinds of splendor here and what we find out the situation is that orion is landing and checking in with high father who's called him in high father being the sort of lord and master of things in new genesis where um and when we meet him he's you know orchestrating a choir of angels you know basically yeah um and um and then, uh, you know, uh, basically they talk about all this stuff about the wall that's linked to the source and the, li you know, life equation and all this and the wonder staff. And so, again, in rapid fire, we're, we're encountering all these concepts, right, of this um, new Genesis, like, you know, awesome world. Orion is talking to High Father. Metron appears. Metron, who's sitting in the Mobius chair. Metron, who's um, continually hungry and thirsty for knowledge. Um what makes the the universe run and um and yeah we just like meet in quickly a, a lot of kirby's kind of like i called it kirby theology you know it's like kirby's mm -hmm. um this this uh this dynamic between light ray who is like you know fun loving and 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 quippy and comical with orion who's like overly dark and serious and then we have the very cerebral uh, uh metron who knows the truth about everything including the fact that orion is um the son of dark side which orion doesn't know and he almost you know leaks that little bit and high father scolds him for for letting that come out and then and then we're taken to apocalypse and of course we sort of follow orion into apocalypse as he battles against parademons and we start to see the world of apocalypse through demon dogs and uh statues of of um uh the a uh, now imposing dark side as well yes, as calabac yeah. and uh and that little confrontation orion has with calabac and that basically takes us through the main of the issue um he he frees some humans uh, and here's the here you know we're fully in new god's territory but we get the little intersection with earth that dark side in his schemes has captured some humans that orion goes on to to free and then we have hints of the larger epic to come so that's that was probably a little bit over a minute. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on we'll work on my summaries, but yeah, it's it. I think this is the splashiest introduction to the the scope of this world, right? That we have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mm. a bit. This instantly feels like New Gods is the linchpin. It is the book upon uh -huh. which all the other New Gods and Fourth World, you know, were like books revolve around. Right. Um. You know, in the kind of the, the comics parlance, you know, if you're ever going to read one series, you know, you must read this one. Sure, um, right. But I think the the fact that it starts as an epilogue is amazing. The start's great. Mm. The fact that it ends with a prologue is is brilliant. You know, the fact that within the first six pages, every other page is a, is a full page splash page. Right. You know, it's kind of Kirby saying this is this is huge. This is this big world cannot be contained by panels. Right. You know, mm. there's a lot going on here. And again, within the first you know 10 pages you're introduced to so many concepts so many um you know a handful of new characters but the 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 actual kind of the theology is is thrown at you really fast mm -hmm. i mean you've mm -hmm. got you know you've got new genesis and apocalypse and you've got orion and light ray and mm -hmm. I, I father and metron but then you've also got um you know you've got things like the the source um the wall the source wall the life equation the wonder staff the anti-life equation right. um and uh, the like the mobius chair and you've got so much thrown at you that um it is kind of hard to to kind of absorb it all and a lot of it is you know again retroactively it's good because i know of, i know of these characters i know of you know i know of the history of um 
you know, I know the history of the source wall and anti-life equation and that um, yeah. going into it. And I also, you know, I know about Orion and like being the son of a son of dark side, which is a very blink in your miss it moment. It's just mm-hmm. one, like two panels where it's like, oh, does he know he's his son? No, don't yeah. tell him. And it's almost like, you know, that's hidden in this almost that's a little right. bit. That's, that's a huge deal. That becomes such a massive part of of what I think of as the New God saga, you know, later in, in later issues. Yeah. Um, and so for that to just kind of be dropped in casually, again, is a is a is a symptom, I think, of Jack Kirby just throwing everything out there and, sure. and you know, and, and having this view that he's he's creating a world rather than creating a, a story as such. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of elements. There's obviously a lot of religious tones. There's a lot of like kind of theological, um, you know, imagery. You know, the fact that High Father carries a shepherd's crook. You know, that's the one right. that's the shepherd's crook rather. Right, you know, right, kind right. Of rather interestingly. Um, and yeah, and like Metron is like I don't know. Would you call him chaotic neutral? I suppose like he's <laughs> kind of this strange character that cares more about knowledge than than anything really. And so yeah. he, he's not about the man in charge. He cares about the power that the man possesses almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. No, I, I, I would feel like I would, I would say that like Metron is almost a, you know, importation of, of scientific, you know, thinking into mm-hmm. this sort of like ancient mythology, theology kind of thing, except that I think that notion kind of does exist in, in ancient religion, this idea of a wisdom personified, which can yeah. be, you know, of course, obviously enlightened, but also cruel, you know, because it's not mm-hmm. human, you know, it's not tinged by sentiment. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like that, that exists too in the, out there, but um, yeah, it, it is that's that setup of contrast, like Metron versus the very like impassioned, uh, maybe darkly impassioned Orion, you know, Orion mm-hmm. always feels like, he could tip on the verge of letting his passions take him over um, or the, yeah. the contrast of Orion and light ray. So we get all these dualisms, these contrasts um, throughout yeah. that are, are a big part of his, uh, yeah, his painting this world. Yeah. There's that, I mean, that's the, I think that's one of the main kind of takeaways of this issue, isn't it really is this kind of light and dark, good and evil. Yeah. Um, and I, I, what I love already, you know, we, we mentioned in the last episode and I'm sure we'll kind of touch on it a little bit here and there again, you know, the, kind of clumsiness almost of Kirby's writing sometimes. Um, but the one thing that I think he does get right is the is the kind of the complex duality that lives within Orion. And I think all, already you can see that this, as you say, he's a is an impa- a darkly passionate kind of figure that right. is that is verging on, you know, you don't know whether he's going to save you or punch you in the face. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there is that energy that's kind of coursing yeah. through. And it, I don't know whether it's the whether it's his um, his art or his writing or whether it's a, a kind of a unique mixture of both. But mm. Orion is this figure in this that is very much, you know, he's impulsive. He's 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 passionate. He's yeah. he's got that dark edge that obviously we know where that comes from. And I think that's that tells you more about his past and who he is than those two panels of where they explicitly say, oh, yeah, he's dark side son. Don't tell him. Though. <laughs> you know, the, re- the, re- the rest of it is like, OK, well, that, you know, that obviously makes sense in this, you know. So that's what I that's what I loved about. Um, I loved about it, this issue. I also loved that the parademons in this, like we're kind of used to seeing parademons as these kind of insect like um you know beasts that especially from the movies you know the i don't know what they're i don't know what they're currently depicted as in the comics i think in the like new 52 they were like these kind of insect creatures uh, 
Whereas in this issue, they're just like guys in green suits, <laughs> which is so brilliant. It's just so kind of he's like it's almost like he's sticking to a TV budget when, when like right. everything else is so spectacular. And these right. parodies are literally just dudes in costumes, just like with like kind of spiky backpacks on. And then I was like, I, th- I think that's perfect. Like I found my kind of Halloween costume this year. It's like a Kirby <laughs> early parody. early Kirby parademon. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a parademon. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're awesome that's but, um but yeah so like what do you mm. think of kind of the as an introduction like because I, I, I feel like this is fully an actual kind of an introduction to it as opposed to the previous issues which almost feel like um prologues or teasers for what this is this issue is yeah. which is the kind of the movie that everything else is based around how do you yes. feel it works as like an introduction to to the new gods no i feel the same i i, I think you're right that it um, this is it feels cleaner like it feels like he got to put this as, as his best shot you know like the other mm-hmm. things he's got all these different tasks but I think this was the one where he gets to sort of um, and I, I think I said earlier that I read that Forever People is the first one he finished but it feels a little bit like this is the one that's been gestating the most in his head you know yeah. where yeah. like you said he gets to sort of like um, um, come <laughs> come full force with the the, the, the mythology and makes this one feel essential right mm. and and i and, and i do think that later um issues get more muddled in the new god stuff but right, yeah. this one i feel like it's just a such a promising start like it just the the sort of rhythms of the issue and how quickly but you know we we're taken to all these to, to meet all these different people and places but like enough we're given enough that we get it you know um yeah 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 so that that's kind of undeniably to me, uh, undeniably, you know, something that he had honed and crafted. Um, and, and I, I just say, like, regardless of story, and you can't disregard the story, but regardless of story, just like you were saying, those splash pages in this in this book are just incredible. I'm, yeah. I'm opening, this is an awkward podcasting situation. My desk, this is making me realize my desk is not big enough, but I, I have the, <laughs> I'm looking at these artist edition pages, right? And so I have the, in front of me and I can actually snap some pictures, I think, and we will put it on this something that we can link in the show notes so people can see at the <laughs> website or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Where, what exactly this all looks like, but just the, um, when you see the full page in, in, in its size and you realize like, Oh, Kirby, you know, people talk about Kirby would just draw like, kind of like start top to bottom you know other people mm. other artists would sketch out their shapes and do a lot of like you know blue 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 line pencil work to sort of fix things in place but it seemed like kirby was able to just you know this is part of his speed right but he would just have yeah, these yeah. masterful pages that just almost emerged from his pencil um you know magically and, and and i feel like you can see this kind of splendor of how he's creating new genesis and all those sort of curves and and turns of this um what charles hatfield's hatfield calls this technological sublime you know this mm-hmm. like which uh the phrase is taken from somewhere else but it's it's basically like when you look around at the grand canyon or some some natural wonder but like transpose that transmute that to looking at a kind of technological wonder and that's really what yeah new new genesis is and he he i just imagine him drawing these pages and a kind of like giddiness and mirth that has to be there, yeah. being able to just like make this world. Uh, it's it's too great. Like so, even if the story weren't perfectly executed, just the fact that he can do the the, the that that art and apply that crackle to space mm. and to New Genesis and then to Apocalypse, it just is um, 
is this is a, a, a perfect issue for me. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think that I think there there has to be joy in his creations. I think that he has right. to have taken joy in creating this because that you get that feeling from it. There's no, you know, this was a full time job for him, and I think the thing that the image that I get of him is of a workhorse that you know he's 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 providing for his family, he's doing this as a job, but at the same time, you know, the creativity, the 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 amount of imagination that comes from each of these pages there has to be as you say like an element of a smile on his face as he as he's done this you know as he's um as he as he's creating these things because there's there's just so much energy to it um and there's so much kind of even if we we talked about they're not they're you know being a general purpose rather than a specific minute by minute kind of purpose you know to each individual story there's definitely a purpose to to how he delivers this and how he develops it um and he's he's definitely coming up with these ideas these grand this this is his opera you know this is his epic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i think that kind of that is more clearly felt in new gods as a series um and in this issue more than any of the other series that we're Mm. we're looking at um but yeah i I thought it was great Thought it was a really strong issue really um really interesting kind of um fascinating to kind of finally see behind the curtain you know that all mm. that everything all the other issues have almost been teasing and kind of referencing and saying oh on new genesis we do this you know this is what superman saw through the boom tube in last issue right. you know we're yeah. actually on we're there now you know we're yeah. seeing what yeah. he what he couldn't fully explore yeah. um mm. so yeah so it's interesting to uh to get exposed to it but yeah i really enjoyed this issue yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um a couple of kirby unwrapped notes just as mm-hmm. i'm flipping through this artist edition yeah um one of them is so we'll we'll probably come come back to this a few times, but um so this is inked by Vince Coletta. All of these are inked mm. by Vince Coletta. And so the backstory there, and I think we may have touched on this before, but so Coletta is an inker that um Stan Lee kind of uh, brought aboard to the to the work during um I think it was initially during Kirby's uh, Kirby and, and and Lee and Kirby's uh, Thor time. And, you know, his so Coletta's inking on Thor is generally, like, pretty highly regarded. Like, oh, he did a great job. But um, the thing about Coletta was he was a professional. And so he worked fast. And he knew how to work fast, right? And right. so he's a very d- divisive. He's a very controversial figure in, in comics, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people get this is one of those areas where people have written, you know, have forgotten more than I'll ever know. But um, there's even a book about Coletta as a controversial figure in comics because <laughs> – he he's inking all this work that we're looking at, which means Kirby pencils are being filtered through Coletta inks. And uh, I guess the rap is basically that, you know, um, Coletta would often take um, Kirby's uh, nuance and bomb in both his nuance and his bombast and sort mm-hmm. of even all it all out under a thin line pen. And right. it would lose a lot of what's there in the pencils. And so actually, midway through our run here we're going to see coletta disappear and mike royer becomes really kirby's inker of choice in the future and mike royer finishes out this work as inker so i'm looking at this art and i I can and and one of the things that they um say about coletta as a complaint uh critics of his is that kirby would do all this you know fine noodling and stuff like that and all these subtleties and he would just white them out (laughs) you know right right. you know i've seen enough artist editions know that whiteout exists all all over the place for different purposes but you can just see it so clearly so if you have the issue in front of you um on page 19 of the issue or in the omnibus i'd say i noted the page Nah, i can't find it but <laughs> it's uh it's page 19 in the um in the issue of new gods number one 
uh, oh, page 180 in the omnibus, there's a, a moment, and it's the moment when uh, Orion is using the astral force to dissolve what's spellbinding the humans, right? Yes. And yeah. there's the sort of the um, the lines that are emanating from the humans, uh, and the ends of those lines in on this page are all whited out, whited out over. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you can imagine that Kirby's pencil strokes are just like these, you know, like this, yeah, this dynamism. Yeah. And I don't know if it's for the sake of color separations. I mean, here maybe Coletta is being again the inker, but you can kind of see, like, if you're looking at that page, Matt, like, can you see, yeah. like, it's just a really harsh line between yeah, those like, rays that are coming out and the colors. Yeah, the digital issue. I don't know what color it is on yours, but yeah. there's like it's they're yellow. They're, the background is yellow with black lines, and then the, yep. there's just this kind of harsh wiggle around the top yes. of them with with a purple exactly. background. Yes. And it's you know you you get the sense of of what's happening there, but there's no kind of realism to the yeah. the scene you know and you almost yes. like you, you you can you can see some of the lines they don't just stop where where we see them stop they yeah. must go on you know must continue but um yeah but is that so is that page in the artist edition then yes yes yeah so the whole issue except for like a couple of pages in the artist edition i'll take a picture of this page but i just pointed this out because you can see so clearly where the whiteout just like blunts kirby's line right, and right. that's just like a particularly visible um example of what you can kind of see throughout this issue where when you can see the pencils underneath that aren't aren't inked there's all kinds of subtleties uh the the demon dogs for instance are are drawn with a lot more subtlety that makes them they just lose so much on the page yeah. because of i think the way that they're inked uh there's not the boldness of certain lines that you can just um tell that Kirby had in his pencil line um yeah. and part, part of that because of the parsimonious way that I think Coletta is inking and so um yeah that's kind of one of those those things where seeing the original art makes you appreciate sort of the the Kirby you know uh aesthetic uh, even more than even just looking at these issues yeah yeah and it's difficult isn't it because I imagine that I mean I would certainly love to see I'd love to see those original pencils definitely mm -hmm. but then I'd also love to see the you know how a more faithful or um you know um a more faithful inca would right. you know or, or more um respect not respectful mm -hmm. because i imagine it was literally this was just this wasn't any kind of malicious intent it was just sure. a consequence of the speed you know just sure. like okay right. boom 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 get it out let's go um, right. yeah. and the throwaway nature of comics at the, even at that time you know so yeah. um but i'd like to see what a, a more modern kind of faithful inca would would do with those but again yeah. it's almost mm -hmm. a little that's almost a little insulting to vince collector then isn't it to turn around <laughs> and go we we've improved them we've made them better we've released the better definitive version and he's like yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's just um it's a little bit uh it's a little bit of a sensitive issue isn't it really because sure. i imagine there's there's a lot of um especially when it when it comes to superior comics where there's a lot of separate pencilers and inkers um you know you kind of wonder what's lost in in the in those uh in in the kind of the steps between almost totally but, um, yeah. yeah but yeah that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is an interesting mm -hmm. facet of these comics i mean and also mm -hmm. and, you know another point that's kind of a bit broad for for what we're discussing um but you know we're both i, I assume you're seeing the same thing i'm seeing just on the printed page which is kind of a digital mm -hmm. 
recreation of the colors um, and that um you know because i'm looking at the digital issue and i bought um which is something that i'm going to touch on next episode i Mm. when i went on when i went to california on holiday um i um i went to a comic shop in santa barbara called metro entertainment um and i picked up an issue of forever people i picked up issue two forever people and mm-hmm. so i've got the actual issue for forever people nice. so i'm going to be uh, i think an interesting point to kind of um to discuss along the lines of your kirby and wrapped will be to to go through that issue page by page uh, not not on the podcast but for me to go through it page by page compared to the digital edition that i've got yeah yeah because i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot missing especially in marvel unlimited i don't know um mm-hmm. their process for kind mm-hmm. of um restoration for restoring yeah. the comics um especially anything pre-2000 right. um really um that their their effort to restore it is very flat there's a lot of flat colors right. um and that's kind of there's similar elements to that in here as well like it's very right. kind of what's not what's not involved is a bold is a bold flat color behind uh, the right. the action and i wonder what's lost in that because i remember having quite a few fantastic four issues um and then picking up the digital copies from comics Odyssey mm. and seeing the difference was kind mm. of it's almost less immersive being mm. the digital mm. flats than they do in the effort to restore it so again it's, right. it's mm. i wonder if the digital versions that i'm reading now are one more step removed from from Kirby's originals like you know so we have the the Vince Coletta's inks which already kind of blur or kind of flatten out what you know the nuance of Kirby's work and then on top of that we've got a digital restoration it's almost like when does you know when does it stop becoming Kirby's work you know so that's right it's interesting but um, that's a that's a really great point And, and you know I'm looking at the omnibus and it's not the digital page. It's not. It's not a screen, right? So colors come yeah. off backlit on a screen a certain way. But even yeah. this, there's a glossiness to these pages, which of course is the treatment you want to give the work. But yeah. 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 I just feel like, especially this being this kind of grand mythology, it's almost like an uncanny valley situation where the colors are too bright, and I want them dulled yeah. on a on a you know parchment or something like that, like that <laughs> issue that you own, so yeah. that they yeah. they retain that sort of like almost you know mythic quality and maybe no artist would say yeah i want my colors poorly reproduced on newsprint but actually there's Mm. something to that newsprint that um maybe calls up a sense of like majesty or or whatever (laughs) yeah that's kind of lost in the glossiness of the pages yeah yeah i almost i always worry that when they kind of like restore them in the way that they do restore them and that they they're trying to have them emulate more modern comics and i suppose for a lot of new readers that's quite um and again this is no this is not gatekeeping or i don't i don't intend it to be it's just if there are newer readers to comics that are more familiar with a certain style and they go back to read you know more classic issues and they're presented with an older version of colors then maybe that would be a little more off-putting but then i almost think that the way they modernize the or you know restore the comics to you know, to bring them what they might see as a more up-to-date palette, maybe, or a more up-to-date style, yeah. kind of it does lose something in it that I'm I'm not comfortable with. There's a, there's yeah. something that's lost in in it that I feel I feel is is a bit of a shame, really. But um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, if if it may, means that more generations of people can read these comics, then uh, then that's the important thing, really. That's right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, my wife and I, we, we've had an old crappy TV for a long, long time because we're just not mm-hmm. big 
Actually, we do watch a lot of TV, but like not. <laughs> Everyone know, I like, know that doesn't read, a, doesn't watch a lot of TV, does actually secretly watch a lot of TV. I'm exactly the same. But we just yeah. didn't have a big TV, and so we inherited one from a friend. He just he just gave it to us when they moved, and uh, right, so it's HD capable, you know, which is mm. we've been HD incapable. But like now we're watching all these things that we're used to watching in sort of our very flat colors in this like vibrant hd and we're like it's really off-putting we're like i yeah, can't yeah. like wrap my mind around this looks like a photograph moving it's too creepy you know so, it's a bit yeah take me back to my old tv yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anything else about new gods one or do you want to go into mr miracle no i think uh, yeah move on let's uh let's right. on with the issues yeah yeah um so we're going to look at mr miracle number one as well which um i was Again, I'm probably more familiar with Mr. Miracle as a series than I am with with any of the others, um, just because I think I think I've probably read like more Mr. Miracle issues. I've not read everything of the New Gods yet. I'm still kind of working my way through them all, um, but I've read more Mr. Miracle issues than I have read anything else. Um, and again, this is you know Mr. Miracle number one, um, and this is um, what's the story called? Let's have a look. Um, <laughs> Super Escape Artist in the Murder Missile Trap or the Murder Missile Trap. Um, and um, again, inked by Vince Galetta, written, drawn, and edited by Jack Kirby. Um, and yeah, this this introduces us to not only Mr. Miracle as a as an idea, but Scott Free as a character as well. Um, so the first Mr. Miracle we see is is not um, Scott Free uh, that we come to know. It's Thaddeus Brown, right. um, who's um, again, you know, there's these themes of older older generation passing on their legacy to a younger generation and um, Thaddeus Brown has been a, a an entertainer or like a, a, a escape artist in his current scheme but he was also uh, the great Thaddeus at some point in his past <laughs> um, where he was he's always kind of taken on these huge kind of uh, David Blaine like style stunts to try and um, you know draw a crowd um, and we get the sense that he's, his glory days are very much behind him, but he's still pushing the envelope of what he can and can't do. And Scott Free wanders upon this scene of um, this Thaddeus Brown in his Mr. Miracle costume uh, being locked, um, being bolted, chained and bolted up, put inside a wooden box. And then he's, um, he's like kind of colleague and mentor, friend um, and manager Oberon setting fire to this box and so scott free runs in rips his jacket off and tries to put out the flames and then he sees this mr miracle like jump out of this box and kind of introduce scott to this world of 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 this kind of super escape artist you know the man that can escape any trap um Mm. which will become a theme for the you know for the series going forward is this idea of is you know is the only trap that can hold mr miracle you know is death the only trap Right. Uh, that he can't get out of um and i like what i like from the first instance is the fact that his name is scott free which is obviously a player, <laughs> like escape artistry and things uh, but they you know they pick up on that straight away it's not just kind of an interesting facet of old comics like thaddeus brown actually says i don't believe it scott free forgive me boy but the name does evoke a reaction it's just like yeah of course it does because yeah. his name is scott free it's ridiculous um but then we see intergang again um they're back and they're um you know, it turns out that um, there are they've had Thaddeus Brown has had dealings with Intergang um, mm-hmm. and um, they all instead of them working for Darkseid directly, they work for a, a man called Steelhand. 
um, mm-hmm. and um, if you ca- didn't catch the nuance of that name, uh, <laughs> he's, he's called Steel Hand because he has a steel hand. Um, it's it's hard to keep up, I know. Um, but yeah, he's I a joke, but I absolutely love this character. I think he's brilliant. This guy called Steel Hand has a steel hand, and he's such a such a great kind of classic bad guy um for yeah. this issue um totally. wait, you know, wait wait did, how did he get a steel hand uh um oh yeah <laughs> he, got, he got a steel hand yeah he got, he got a steel hand there was there's very specific steps to this so i'll explain okay. it he lost his I'll hand because it was, it. it was shot off by a tommy gun okay okay mm-hmm. standard yeah. fair you know that you mix in the bad circles this is going to happen okay. um he went to a hospital and he had come across, he was treated on by a surgeon who's experimenting with transplants. Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm still with it so far. Okay. Um, I'm with you. He gave me he gave me this new hand, says Steel Hand. Um, so brilliant. He's explained everything so thoroughly. The next bit is, I didn't know its history, but with radiation treatments, it gained power. Power. <laughs> so, so he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't know how it happened. But if he says the word power twice, he'll kind of like that will... That will blind you with science, <laughs> and so you don't know quite how he's got a steel hand, and suddenly he has power, power. Exclamation uh, <laughs> point! And so I'm, his I'm life really... changed. He smashed, he smashed his way into a top job at Intergang. Now that is a pun because he does, he does then proceed to smash something. Um, yeah, so it's pretty solid, solid titanium bar. He smashes that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed there's not a page just explaining how he came up with the name, too. That seems an integral. <laughs> the hours of, like, pining in his study. Yeah, suddenly someone throws a steel hand through a window, and he's like, yes, yes, father, I shall become a steel hand. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. Got, a, he's how... got a whiteboard with a years, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, metal thumb. No, that's not good. <laughs> Scrubbing it out. Yeah, hours, nights spent on it, yeah. But, yeah, no, he's brilliant. Uh, he's um, he's a great kind of, um, he's a great character for it. Sure. Again, <laughs> you know he doesn't really do much apart from just you know be be in the background um but um but yeah mr miracle is introduced scot free there's um he you know for the fact that he's going to have a he's going to have a reputation of being a guy who can escape from any trap like he's it's very clear that he has he has powers he has skills but he also has a lot of gadgets so like when he uh, when the inevitable happens and um the current Mr. Miracle is um, is killed by intergang members. Mm. Um, he takes on the um, he takes on the persona of Mr. Miracle and um, kind of just becomes this this new person. We don't really know why Scott Free was walking past. We don't really know why Scott Free is right. in such a position to be free to just take on this mantle. Um, you know, he's he wasn't was he on his way to somewhere and just suddenly just he stopped. He's living with this guy now for a few days. Um, and then suddenly he kind of goes, yeah, I'll, I'll take on this mantle. I'll become this character. Um, and so he does it. He does. He becomes Scott Free. And, um, you know, the, the issue progresses. He confronts Steel Hand. Um, Intergang kind of come upon him, get the better of him. And they tie him to a rocket. And this was basically a deal that Thaddeus Brown had with Steel Hand. Basically, they had a bet that um, Steel Hand could con concoct a trap that was so elaborate so great that thaddeus brown the the great thaddeus couldn't escape from um and so now um he's um they he's con- he's he's put him up to it and so uh, mr miracle says you know if i get you if i get out of the trap that you set i claim your written confession to the shooting 
so he wants he wants Steelhand to confess to the murder of Thaddeus Brown, mm-hmm. um, even though this is like an unscrupulous guy that um, you know cannot be trusted. He bets everything on his word, basically, um, and that's and that's kind of a good encapsulation of who Scott Free is because I think he yeah. is he is um, good to a fault. You know, he's a lot like Captain America in that sense. You know, he is he's good to the to just to the cusp of naivety. Um, and so he will bet everything. He'll bet his life on the word of this notorious gangster and, you know, criminal lowlife. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, he gets tied to this rocket that flies up and explodes. Mr. Miracle's dead, except he's really not. Um, he and he, he pulls back the curtain as the issue goes on and he defeats Steelhand in this fight sequence that perfectly kind of recreates how he escaped from the rocket. So, mm-hmm. like, he uses this... Um, uh, what's he call it? Hypersound intensifiers in his gloves. So he used those to break the metal chains, which he then uses against Steel Hand's Steel Hand. Uh, and then, if if you want to remember this issue, to me, this is this is the issue where Mister Miracle uses three retro jets on the back of his suit to blast himself forward so hard that it increases the like the ferocity of his punch. So he uses rockets to punch people harder, which is brilliant and then he uses compact cocoon spinner which is like basically like um spider-man's webs um, but for plastic materials uh, a plastic material that he can uh, he used as a chute to kind of glide to safety from the rocket explosion um but in this context he uses to to wrap up steel hand and um and keep him and keep him trapped um yes. Yeah, and then that's it. That's that's the issue, basically. You kind of, so it's kind of a good introduction to to Scott Free to Mister Miracle as a character. Literally, the the most fun I think of all the issues because it's the kind of the most <laughs> Silver Age ridiculousness. You know, it's just yeah, um, yeah. it's really good. It's uh, I, lo- I mean I love Mister Miracle as a character, but I love this kind of this issue with Steel Hand, um, and uh, and like Oberon and and inter gang members that like the way they all dress really weird. They all dress yeah. like kind of um russian spies almost like or what you'd imagine a stereotypical russian spy to be because a russian spy would be terrible if they just went around in those <laughs> the big furry hats and and white gloves you know you'd know they're a russian spy but yeah no they they all dress up like as these as these intergang members and it's um, yeah. and it's a really it's a really really fun really colorful kind of uh, issue yeah 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 i'm with you absolutely that was a great recap by the way that was was perfect that was a Uh, a lot longer than a minute (laughs) that's all right i think i think if it's that good quality then uh we just let it stretch um (laughs) no i I feel the same way there's a fun like there there's a kind of like zest to this issue you know where you can tell um kirby's having a good time you know Mm. and the thing i i noticed about it was the whole premise of starting with Mr. Miracle starting out as someone else, you know, you sort of like the gray haired that is Brown. And, um, at the beginning, Scott free looks like a side character or just like an incidental passing character, you know, yeah. of course, yeah. like, you know, in retrospect, we can totally see how it's all being set up, but it, it, it reminds me of like the classic, um, heist movie or like caper story, you know, actually I was looking up, uh, when, when the sting came out, it came out in 1970, you know, Redford and Newman, and it okay, came out in yeah. 73, so it would have been after, you know. But, ah, um, right, yeah. but that, that just that sense of, like, um, the misdirection at the beginning, you know, where you think yeah. one, one is, is uh, it's totally fitting. And it really is that, that kind of playfulness that uh, is really fun. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there is that kind of, um, 
the showmanship bait and switch at the beginning as yep. well because you the when you see when you introduce the Thaddeus Brown you he's wearing the Mr. Miracle outfit. So when you start reading the issue, this is the Mr. Miracle of the cover. And you're like, oh, this is Mr. Miracle. And there's a random dude in the background. I mean, in actual fact, the, you know, the guy in the background is Scott Free and he's the guy that is actually, you're going to be following. Um, And so, yeah, that is a very kind of um, magician's trick almost, isn't it? They're very, it's very fitting with um, with the themes of the issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I'm with you on um, Steel Hand being a heavy handed, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Literally. The whole setup, right? I saw what I think... you did there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I really, you know, I, you can't imagine that Kirby doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Like, he's got a smirk on his face. Yeah, exactly, else, you know, exactly. and, and I think he's in on the joking, which is exactly what makes it so fun. Uh, and, and, and also fittingly, as you put it rightly, Silver Age is that it all wraps up so quick. You know, the, the, yeah, the yeah. thruster, the thruster punch. I took a photo of that panel, by the way, the, the three thrusters <laughs> on this back, the, the retro punch. jets. Yeah. punch with the bam you know there's a kind of like this is comics <laughs> like this yeah, is superhero yeah, yeah. comics right here you know set it all up uh wrap it up in two pages uh <laughs> like literally yeah. wrap up the villain Li- yeah literally um, wrap it up as well like there is right? there is elements to it where he does like you know we're making puns but these can't be unintentional you know these exactly. can't be accidental like the fact that the villain is very literally heavy-handed and That's the right. fact that the issue is very literally wrapped up by the end yeah it's it's perfect isn't it yeah i love it I didn't yeah. notice. I didn't really notice those things until we've uh, until we've kind of hung a hat on them now. But right, yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, and you know, it makes me wonder a little bit. And I'm, I, the, this question I want to pose to you about the seriousness, and I, I think there is a sense of humor. There is a self awareness about Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's current Mister Miracle, you know. Mm. But there's also an intense heaviness and uh lurking always in the background at least if not like imposing you know and part of that yeah. is dark side but part of that is just a sense of like depression or ennui or or really the 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 stench of death you know hanging yeah, around yeah. this escape artist and like again this is retrospective lenses i i wonder how much that is here because most mm. of it is revelry but um you, you, you got to feel like Kirby at this point knows that that's the tone. Like, I, you know, I sometimes I picture artists, especially if you have a week to pump out a, a masterpiece, right? Yeah. Um, playing music in the background. Of course, he didn't do that. But like, okay, Jack Kirby plays on his his uh, his iPod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He turns on his Spotify playlist uh, <laughs> to draw this. And, you know, and is it music that and I'm, I'm music deprived so i don't really i don't know who to pull in reference to this but music that has a sense of like zaniness to it or is it music that has this undertone of actually like somberness underneath like as if all the fun is is masking this true deep depression so Mm -hmm. i I guess i guess the question to you is do you like how much do you feel like what king and jared are doing now with um mr miracle is a departure from this mr miracle or is it actually picking up threads that are here in this in this material um i think well i mean right off the bat i'm a huge fan of what they're doing on that work and i think that Mm -hmm. book is is brilliant and like i know that there's there's a lot of um 
not controversy, but especially at the moment, like we're coming off the week of, you know, as we're recording this, we're coming off the week of Batman's wedding, you know, or the, mm, the wedding right. issue of, of Batman. And so there's a lot of kind of controversy <laughs> right, surrounding. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Tom King as a writer and people are going, you know, what, mm. you know, is this, is this good? Is this bad? You know, is he good mm. or bad? Um, I am a fan of Tom King and I like, I like Tom King's writing a lot. I like Mitch Gerard's art on Mr. Mm. Miracle. Um, there's not a but there, you know. I don't know why. It feels like I'm leaving him to say, but I think I think they're terrible. Now, and basically, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, I think what they're doing with the Mister Miracle series, I think part of it, you know, part of it does pick up on themes. Like it picks up on themes. It picks up on um, literally lifts writing, you know, like paragraphs and lines from these original Mister Miracle books and kind of peppers yeah. them throughout the series. Mm. Um, and I think you're you're completely right in saying that there are elements of that hidden within um, this issue and hidden within Mr. Miracle, like Jack Kirby's Mr. Miracle work as a whole. There's definitely mm. that kind of there's sense to it. You know, the final the final little um, the end point of this issue, in fact, says. Mm. Um, and so the act goes on to other satanic and sinister situations simmering with mounting magnitude to juggernaut jousts with the super super escape artist's greatest adversary, death. Right. You know, death is in huge writing. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that is, again, that's a that's a touch of us looking back with different eyes on this work or if right. that is actually kind of, you know, um, it, there, there is that kind of uh, in, like hidden under the surface kind of element to it. Yeah. Um, but I also think that King and Jared's work on Mr. Miracle, the 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 thing that that um, em, uh, escalates it in my eyes is that contrast is the fact that they are contrasting what has come before with Mr. in Mr. Miracle with what they're presenting now. And so right. I think for that contrast to work as starkly as it does, this work has to be viewed with a certain lighthearted kind of superheroic whimsy that I mm. think that potentially there is more to it, especially as some of the issues go on, you know, and we start to mm. we start to see kind of more dangerous, more more deadly missions. Whereas I think this is very much a kind of a fun, you know, literal kind of um, brightly coloured, what you see is what you get issue for mm. the most part. Uh, we mm. will see more elements of that as we go along, with dar- darker elements to the world that, that Scott Free's in. But I also mm. think that this is a good example of the kind of issue that would stand in contrast to King and Jared's work. And I do think yeah. they for their work to be as successful as it is, I think they need that contrast to work. Um, But that's, that's just my kind of take on it really. Yeah. I, I I like that. I mean, as you're talking, I was really thinking about what, and again, we're speculating on psychologies here, but Mm -hmm. what is um, King, uh, King, what is Kirby thinking? I just realized Tom King, King Kirby. Um, Coincidence. (laughs) I think, uh, I think, (laughs) They're the same person. It's been confirmed. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm thinking about what's going through the king's head as he's drawing this issue, right? I mean, and again, like frenetic pace, right? But he's he he. This it makes me appreciate how wide ranging his tone is. You know, like this mm. is a real. It's the same world, and you're right that like this is a lot of the New God stuff, but it is tonally such a switch from what we just saw in New Gods number one. Yeah. And even for that matter, from the other, you know, the other books. So, um, so I guess, I guess it is, it does make me wonder a little bit like what's going on in King, in Kirby's <laughs> mind and mood as he's, as he's creating this. And then if you're 
Tom King rereading this material after, you know, whatever decade in working in the CIA and just mm. like having existed in the world as you have and thinking the, the dark thoughts that, you know, haunt all of us that, that there's this, like, it's like playfulness veering on nihilism, you know, <laughs> it's mm. sort yeah, of like, yeah. it's sort of like, and, and I think that is very much the escape artist notion. It's like, I'm going to dance with death, which is both like, um, a kind of like um, jester, like you know, humor, wit, but it's also mm. like very, very close to some very, very dark territory. And I feel like that's yeah. that's the dance here. Yeah, it's very glib, isn't it? The kind of the attitude of mm. can I escape death just because just because I mm. can, and right. and actually can I escape death? Do I care if I do or don't? Kind of thing, right. you know. And there there is like a line. There's a line that kind of I think that Tom King is is definitely playing with in his in his dialogue. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you you as you were saying um, about you know the, the 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 themes or the kind of the the feel of this issue compared to New Gods and Forever People, and I think maybe this is kind of a a question that we'll explore more as we go through the episodes. But um, mm. you know why what what do you think the identity of these individual series are? You know, and mm. to and to a greater point, like mm. why why is Jack Kirby decided to tell this story across? three different books you know why three right. why not two why not four you know what what makes these three sort like series their own distinct element of a kind of a greater whole i wonder yeah that's a fantastic question and in fact i i'm going to um push off the question and say that that's a really good ongoing search except the revision at the amendment that i'd suggest is that i really do think that jimmy olsen is a fourth you know, mm, yeah, um, yeah. both because four is a nice number for this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this little, this little endeavor. And because I think get, even despite the constraints of Jimmy Olsen, you know, he, I feel like he attains a, a, a totally different rhythm and purpose to, to super, you know, to Jimmy, to the Jimmy Olsen work. Yeah, and so yeah. I, and I, I agree with you that generally I think the new gods is thought of as these three titles and often re referred to as such. But I think to neglect the Jimmy Olsen's, you know, the the sort of place in the canon here the, of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen is um, that that is an angle. And we'll talk about it, I guess, now going into our last issue here, uh, yeah. which is uh, Jimmy Olsen 136. But yeah. I, and so I, but that's a great question. I think it's a great ongoing question. It's just like mm. juxtaposed against each other, these these three or four titles and what they sort of do and why he decides to flesh out his world this way with these four, yeah. you know, choices. Yeah. 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 Well, shall we into, yes, uh, yeah. Tell me into about Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy Olsen, number one, three, six. Yeah. All right. Well, this is, um, the saga, the DNA aliens, <laughs> another mm -hmm. like super, another great superhero kind of, uh, premise here. Um, I think interesting about this issue is that, so this is the fourth of Kirby's Jimmy Olsen issues and the first to have a non Kirby cover, which is, uh, interestingly, Neil Adams, right, drawing yes, this cover yeah. of this uh, basically Hulkified. We talked about it in the last episode. Hulk, Hulkified Jimmy Olsen uh, punching <laughs> Superman <laughs> across the face. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I didn't actually. I looked at that cover. I was like, that's not Kirby. And then I uh, looked it up and realized, oh, that is that is not Kirby. It's Neil Adams. Um, yeah. And a, a very different Superman. So 
uh, essentially, you know, go back and listen to what the heck happened in the previous issue. <laughs> I think I need book. to. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not too sure. So but much goes I on. Do, yeah. Right, right. I do remember that the last thing we left off on was the reintroduction of the Guardian or the Golden Guardian, who was a Silver yeah. Age uh, character that Kirby created at to DC the first time around, um, way back when in the Golden Age. Um, after he and uh, um, uh, he and, and uh, Simon created Captain America, you know, at mm. Timely Marvel, then came over. And so Golden Guardian was a Captain America-ish looking character that Kirby, yeah, yeah. you know, did for the other company. And so he, he gets reintroduced along with, of course, Newsboy Legion is also um, uh, an old Kirby creation now, now you know, dual generational. And at the beginning, we rejoin um, Scrapper and Big Words and the others of the Newsboy Legion, both older generation and younger, as they're trying to figure out what to do with this green giant Jimmy Olsen who has appeared. Uh, and he's smashing things up, and and Guardian is, is, is fighting with him. So we get this great fight scene, obviously heavily narrated with lots of commentary, <laughs> lots of color commentary by <laughs> the Newsboy Legion just yeah. standing by and watching as there's a slugfest that goes on between... Um, Again, Green Giant, Jimmy Olsen, and uh, and Guardian, and eventually, like all this leads us into uh, Jimmy and Superman and the news Newsboy Legion. First of all, finding um, the the giant Jimmy Olsen defeated by an explosion from his hair, where yeah. it turns out that these tiny versions of these mini mini paratroopers who are all scrapper. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Tiny. How an what an embarrassing way to be defeated. I know. <laughs> if you're a green giant, Jimmy Olsen, the thing that you have nightmares about is that tiny scrappers in your hair. Yeah, hair yeah. Troopers. <laughs> so uh, anyway, then they, they somehow managed to coat him in steel uh, and uh, by shooting a little rocket at him. Uh, lots and lots of the pseudoscience. Uh, and then and then we revisit again our villains along this sort of latter part of the Jimmy Olsen start here and uh, um, looking again for their names because I forgot. But basically recall that we have already met the Harrys and the Mountain of Judgment. And so we have Mokari and Simeon who are these two characters, these two villains who are um, uh, kind of stock villains who are working for Darkseid. They've upgraded the, the communication. They're not on a FaceTime on an iPhone anymore. Now they have a big screen Darkseid yes, yeah. that they're checking in with. Um, and they're all, you know, conspiratorial about these projects and these, I guess, competing projects um, in a very, like, Marvel Age, Nuclear Age, 70s um, version of a set of concerns about governments and projects and chemical conspiracies and stuff like that. And then, yeah. and so what we find out is that there's DNA, some kind of um, molecular manipulation where the reason there's a giant Jimmy is that Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's, uh, what, what was it? Particulate matter or <laughs> Jimmy's mm. cell yeah, tissue. Some, there you go. Cell like tissue that, yeah. was, cell right, tissue. was taken by, by the project to create this giant. And so it, there's a scene of Jimmy seeing himself uh, in a sort of Spider-Man meme seeing himself kind of moment where Jimmy is <laughs> is realizing that um, he uh, yeah he, his cell tissue has been used to create this this monster as well as of course scrapper's cell tissue to make these mini paratroopers uh, at this point in the in the listening if you haven't read this you know I sound utterly preposterous but basically <laughs> we we're led to understand that there there's this project of um, 
this uh, uh what is it called this this dna project which eventually actually becomes project cadmus which has a larger role in the dc universe yeah, uh, yeah. and that and that uh, guardian himself is a result of this pro- project he's returned because the original guardian jim harper died once upon a time but you know his uh cell tissue was used to regrow this um model one of what this dna project can do and uh and then we get this uh superman collage page <laughs> kirby at yeah. this time is really fond of these collage pages where superman is you know sort of superimposed in front of these magazine cutout collage of of basically a bunch of dna sciencey stuff mm-hmm. and um and then we're we're moving forward from here to to more craziness because the two villains have a four-armed monster that they've grown uh, from all this DNA experimentation that we will find out about. But uh, yeah, 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 uh, crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel as though like this feels to me like the the early issues of Fantastic Four, or at least the the Kirby and uh, and Stanley Fantastic Four. Yeah. Stanley's script a lot of the times. He he references kind of scientific things that you like. I'm very I'm almost certain that he's just read the headline for and just yeah. gone. Oh, I can write a story about that. And he writes this story <laughs> that's kind of right. yeah, like sure, gamma rays. Yeah, they they turn people green. Yeah, cool. Sure. And like there's a lot of the Fantastic Four stuff, but like especially with Reed's inventions and the way they talk right. about like nuclear science and stuff, which is really sketchy and like sure. kind of. That's not how any of this works. And I kind of feel as though Kirby's doing that in these early issues as well. Of, of, of I mean, we, we mentioned, I think, in the previous episode how this feels very much like a, a kind of a Stanley, almost like a Stanley joint, really. Um, and I think um, I think that's true of of Kirby's grasp of, of DNA and and of right. kind of, um, DNA molecules and stuff. And when you said, like, you know, Kirby's montage of uh, Kirby's collage of. Mm. Of DNA science stuff, I, I feel right. like that's probably the extent of his knowledge on it as well. Like sure. DNA science, stuff. yeah. There's, sure. a, there's like a big black hole with the word nucleus written in really small letters right. in the top right, and then you know, just, I, I love it. I, I love it. I think that's, that's brilliant, right. and I, I don't want anything else from a, like right. a, a Jimmy Olsen comic. Um, right. I don't want anything to be more like kind of accurate and just like, well, this, you know, comics is not the place for you to turn around and go, well, this is just not realistic. You know, like that's not, right. this is not the time and place to have that argument. Um, but um, but yeah, I love it, and I love the fact that they've got a wall that like has got normals, step ups, and aliens. Like they're categorizing yes. the creatures they're creating with a big chart uh, in case you chart. missed it. <laughs> yeah, 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 big colorful chart, and, stuff. Yes. and it's great. And then at the end, they've got like this huge four-armed alien, like like come out of an egg for some, yeah. for some reason yeah. again. Like why are they all coming from an egg? Um, but no, yeah, it's great. I loved it, and um, and yeah, I think I think again, this is there's a there's a a feeling of these Jimmy Olsen issues, especially these early ones where um, Kirby allows himself to kind of have a bit more, a bit more fun and a bit more kind of throwaway fun. Like none of it is ever um, similar to how kind of Kirby approaches the superhero in, in Mr. Miracle, you know, which is very, he's, he's take on like kind of a a classic superhero story almost in in Mr. Miracle, more so than new gods forever people. And even, you know, Jimmy Olsen, which has Superman in it, like sure. is they're all a bit more esoteric than the Mr. Miracle, which seems like a very straightforward upon on the surface. Anyway, a very straightforward superhero origin and yeah. first adventure on to the next thing. You know, um, right. even that is not done with any kind of um, spite towards 
superhero comics. Yeah, you know, he's yeah, not like, yeah. you know, potentially like Garth Ennis who hates superheroes, you know, and so anytime he draws, <laughs> anytime he, you know, creates like Green Lantern or something, he's like, he's, he's absolutely horrendous. Yeah, and it's because he's you know, just seeding. Yeah, he's right? <laughs> out of it. Whereas I don't think that's true in this. And it's the same with kind of Kirby's like look at, at, DNA science stuff. You know, he doesn't kind of look and go, well, this is all mumbo jumbo here. This is how ridiculous it is. It's basically just taking something and making it comics, you know, kind of going, right, this is right. something that is current at the moment. You know, the seventies was a big kind of, you know, time when they, when they talked a lot about kind of DNA sequencing and discovery, yeah. a lot of science discovery in that kind of field. And so for him to then kind of go, well, you know, why don't they make aliens? You know, and it's just like this is this is the extreme version of that, like a, a kind of a secret a secret project in the mountains right. that's creating all known all God knows what kind of clones and and monsters and step ups yeah. and normals. <laughs> step ups, normals and aliens, you know, sorry to use their own terminology. Um yeah, so it's um it is good. Where it fits in the grand scheme of the fourth world saga and the new gods isn't as explicit in this issue. Um, I feel as if mm-hmm. he's just Kirby writing a, a Jimmy Olsen story um, rather than having it explicitly fit into um, Darkseid, even though, like, um, again, Darkseid is, is in this issue. He goes back to, you know, we've seen him in, in the flesh in reality, um, and now he's been relegated back to just being a face on a screen. Um right. But again, he's just, he's just, uh, as literally is just a face on the screen. You know, that could be anyone. That could be any kind of villain behind the right. scenes. You know, it could be Steel <laughs> Hamp. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be that guy. <laughs> the only tie to Fourth World is the fact that A, it's, it's done by Jack Kirby and B, it's got Darkseid <laughs> in two panels. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. What, I mean, what did you think generally of the issue? You know, was it, um, was it a good issue for you or a bad issue or? Yeah, no, I mean, I shared your feelings about it. I think that there's, you know, I, I mean, I think the 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 only profound thing to say that I I have about it was that, well, this is not profound, but um, you know, the, the I'll green, be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, the Green Giant, um, Jimmy Olsen, when he's you know encounters himself, right, mm-hmm. is. Uh, to me, an allusion to so Jimmy Olsen is a pretty like pretty good selling title for a while, but it starts to be like starts to lampoon itself after a while. This is pre Kirby coming onto it, right? It starts to kind of like make fun of itself after a while. In fact, the joke becomes like every issue Jimmy turns into some other creature, you know. And <laughs> yeah, so yeah. to have Jimmy looking at Jimmy himself turned into another creature is is I think a little to me a little um, Kirby you know, reference to, to this joke that's going on, but mm, yeah, he's um, I, on it almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of self-reference and a lot of like meta, this meta, um, thinking going on here because, you know, this is Kirby doing Kirby, mm. right? When you talked about the superhero stuff that he's alluding to, I mean, guardian is his own creation of another generation, you know, yeah, or, yeah. And, and same of newsboy legion. So I'm mindful of that. And I'm mindful that what he's doing here is he's doing a lot of smashing together of, of this old golden age military era, you know, world war two era, um, paratroopers and newsboys and, you know, um, you know, guardian sort of patriotic type heroes with a post Marvel age, which again, he's also responsible for, right? Mm, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, science, n- nuclear, you know, DNA stuff that, that, that you were talking about. And to me, the issue is, feels a little bit like it's a lot of fun. It's also 
hokey and in, in all the ways that we want superhero comics to be. You're, I agree with you. Like, we don't want it any more scientifically accurate mm-hmm. than this. It, it also feels a little bit like a victory lap. It, and it should be like a deserved mm. victory lap because Kirby is like, here's like, oh, the, that old stuff. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This new yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's me. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, this and... is how that fits in with this almost. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so <clears throat> even if it's not a lot of fourth world back to, you know, me always psychologizing Kirby here, like it's, it's, it's also, it is a lot of like, oh, I get to draw a lot of stuff that, you know, if you really think about it, like we owe him the debt of that stuff you know yeah yeah um and it's so for those things i am enjoying jimmy olsen and i'm also thinking about it as as he's creating this giant um cosmic um landscape of his fourth world he, he there's ways that i think he wants to say things that are you know in his belief system or his view of the world and but he also wants to ground it in what he's always done and i think a lot of jimmy olsen seems to be like you know this is a very different superman actually than the superman we see in the other series you know yes Um, oddly coming out at the same time right but it's it's kind of like he's using jimmy and he's using superman which he didn't get to create but to sort of pay tribute to what um he has created what he has been uh, the significant role that he's played in all of this sort of comics history that's that's developed so i i I like jimmy as a little parallel side commentary about that stuff as he's venturing out into this this crazy new world yeah definitely and i I think there is a lot of self-reference in this as well like there's a lot of as you say that he does in reintroduce characters that's that he's previously been you know been such a big part of creating um with like the newsboy legion and golden guardian um and i think that's that's not um that's a side of Kirby you're not seeing in the other fourth world stuff. Like the fourth world mm-hmm. is almost kind of, um, it's almost overwhelming in how new and how bold and how creative it's being. You know, yeah. the fact that Superman is in forever people is really the only kind of part of it that isn't brand new creation. Um, <laughs> and so to have, um, and so to have these issues be so self-referential and so aware of their place within not only the larger DC universe, but also right. his own kind of canon of work um, yeah. is quite, um, it's not jarring, but it is interesting to see that kind of, um, see that develop, that side of his kind of creation develop in this in this way in, in Jimmy Olsen, as opposed to like where he saves, perhaps saves his kind of fresh original creativity for the other works almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, fascinating to read these four, right, in parallel. Mm. As, yeah, as yeah, like, definitely. You know, imagining that this is like a month in the life of Jack Kirby making yeah, yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah, I think it's been, it's been quite interesting to, to read. I don't know how it's going to work because we're, we're aiming to read like four episodes per, uh, four issues per episode. Yeah. Um, so whether that works out that we end up reading one of each every month or whether we end up reading two, three, four of, of one issue or not, or one series right. or not. But as a first episode's gone, like I think um, it's been quite interesting to have one of each of these series um, to to kind of uh, to introduce them all, as it were, yeah. really, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting to kind of compare and contrast across the four as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 whether accidentally or on purpose or thanks to the omnibus or, organizing or whatever, mm-hmm. it's, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's felicitous, you know, like it's great. It's it's a really interesting way to look at this. Uh, in fact, just to reference Hand of Fire again, uh, Kurt, um, Charles Hatfield talks about 
these omnibus, you know, originally came out as four separate volumes, the mm. fourth world omnibus. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but arranged in this way, and that that arrangement is an interesting way to read this work because that's not how a lot of it was read later when collected. You know, we mm. kind of read each one on its own, and so to see them in a kind of synchrony um, in terms of when they come out uh, is is a sort of dip back into that past. It's not exactly the order Kirby created these. It is the order that the public saw. And so yeah. kind of rereading it that way is kind of fun too. Yeah, yeah. And it does uh, kind of yeah. touch on the idea as well of um, the caution that we kind of said at the beginning of the episode, which is this idea that putting them all in this order kind of almost implies a grander narrative than there potentially right. is. Um, yeah. So I think if you read each individual series on its own, you would get a very different reading experience, but not necessarily in contradiction to what the author intended so this maybe is more right. of a of an interesting um an interesting take to read to read along as as you would have done in the time as well to read yeah. them in kind of chron like chronological order of of their release rather than yeah. as full individual stories um kind of uh, implies a certain narrative that may not be there but at the same time it's a fascinating way to kind of to yeah. to delve into his work you know yeah, yeah, and and I think it's fun because rather than reading each narrative on its own for itself, which I think is actually a harsher way to read mm. Kirby because those aren't the realities in which he created, un, under which he created, you know, yes. those, the yeah, circumstances yeah. under which he created these, we are actually more following those circumstances, right? And we're going to hit a point here as we near the end and just to let lis listeners know, this will probably run us to December, right? Like yeah. we've sort of. Uh, Matt's done the math, which is good. <laughs> which is never, which is not a sentence you'll hear very often. I'm not really good at math. Right, but we're we're aiming that this will end around December, and so this half year journey that we're taking can be almost, um, you know, again, it's more chronological, and so the ways that we're reading this material for what's there, what it presents to us on the surface, but also like trying to read back into Kirby's life and thoughts a little bit, you know, and also trying to like read forward into his impact and. And so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I just think that this is a, a smart way. But hey, you know, we would be curious what what listeners think, and maybe this is a good time to mention that you know, find find us uh, on <laughs> Twitter or you know, send us a message of support and affirmation of how wonderful Matt is. Um, <laughs> yes, please. We all do, of those. We please. do. Uh, we do invite um, some feedback, and if you're reading along, some of your thoughts about this, you know, the affordances, what it gives us to read. Um, the fourth world in this way and uh even though i think we intend this podcast to have a certain timelessness um we also would be happy to get the segment i i proposed the name ping 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 which would be our um <laughs> our uh, mail and tweets and feedback from listeners so we'd love to uh, fill that and you know we can mention here that already we got a little bit of encouragement and urging from a few folks on twitter who um asked hey you, you said you were going to start this mother box pro project and, and where is it so thanks to charlie i think and to taylor and uh, also got an email from uh uh, uh, was it John? I think somebody uh, named John who was kind enough to say that I heard the the episode and I am interested. And so I know that there are some of you out there who are who are listening. So oh, sorry, yeah. Ryan was was the one who emailed uh, who emailed uh, about. Yeah, that. Th so, thanks to you guys. I didn't I didn't respond to you directly because I didn't actually have an answer for you because <laughs> I didn't know when we were going to be recording <laughs> and when we we're going to do it. So I didn't want to just be kind of like watch this space, true believer. I just wanted sure, to turn around. Sure. Yeah, it's coming out soon. But um, but no, thanks to thanks to those folk and thanks to anyone yep. that's reached out to us and said I'd love to be a part of this as well, which we've had a few people yeah. uh, doing so as well. Um, but um, but yeah, we definitely want to know your thoughts. I especially am interested in people that um, either those that have read this book, have read this 
this series, these this right. saga, and, and do love the series and have interest in points to raise. Um, but also those that have never read it and are reading along for the first time. And, you know, if you're reading right. along for the first time with us, then very humbled and grateful for that. Um, but um, yeah. but definitely want to hear your thoughts on on what you think of the series so far and what you think of the individual issues we're reviewing. Um, but yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So watch the space. No, <laughs> Matt. Matt, uh, I feel confirmed that uh, this was a great. It was a great idea to do this with you. So I'm patting myself on the back. Because, <laughs> yeah. Thank it's you. Awesome to have. Awesome to have you as a partner, and and, uh, and we'll be back for more, right? Yep, we'll be back uh, next episode. I don't know what issues we're going to be reviewing next episode. Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, let me run through them actually, just for listeners' sake. Uh, not off the top of my head, but since I have this in front of me. Um, in the omnibus, where it goes next is Forever People number two, New Gods number two, Jimmy Olsen one thirty seven, and then Mister Miracle number two. So basically, Brilliant. next up for each of these series, and uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a fun run. Excellent, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, we need a sign off uh, tag. What do we say? Yeah, that's the only thing that we didn't uh, we didn't say we didn't do. <laughs> what does how does um, how does Kirby sign off one of these issues? Let's have a look. Ooh, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't miss the opening blasts of the next exciting issue. So I'll just say change issue to episode, and then that'll be that'll be good. That's perfect. One more time. <laughs> don't miss the uh, don't miss the opening blasts of the next exciting episode. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Cue background music. That's All right, it. Thanks, yeah. y'all. Thanks. Sir. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. All right. Thanks.